Happy New Year, TCC. Um, I think you just said it feels really weird up here, doesn't it? No, I said it's, it's really bright. Really bright, the lights okay. On, I was like, whoa. <clears throat> well, we want to take some time uh, this morning, Pastor Adam and, and myself, and, and when I say take some time, uh, full disclosure right up front, uh, we were each supposed to prepare half a sermon. We each, pre- we each put together about three quarters of a sermon. So if you put that together, um, we might be here a little bit longer than, than usual. Um, but, and if you're at home and you're hoping to watch a football game at 11 o'clock, you might want to set your PVR now um, <laughs> because we'll probably go by that a little bit. But we want to take some time to talk about what it might look like to know Jesus, walk with Jesus, and share Jesus in 2022. And so we want to tag team this a little bit. We did something similar about a year ago when we moved from 2020 into 21. That message we talked about, the value of having a rule of life. And I encourage you to go back and listen to that because we actually talked about maybe incorporating some of that into this message. But we realized that the way we wanted to approach this didn't quite fit. But a rule of life will really give you a bit of a framework to um, put some of the things together that we're going to talk about this morning. And really, as the calendar turns again to another new year, it really is a a natural opportunity for us to be able to pause and just reflect on the year that was. And in some ways, to renew our commitment to be people who intentionally pursue a relationship with Jesus. And I know that that's true of so many at TCC. And so our word today is really just an encouragement and an invitation to keep doing that. If you haven't been doing that, to, uh, to maybe pick up some things uh, as well as you look at uh, what 2022 might look like. And our hope is that this message is, is, is something very practical for you. Not that our other messages aren't practical, but we're going to give you some, very, uh, some practices, as it were, to, uh, to think about today. Giving you some things that you might incorporate to pursue further uh, on your own. And it's really not about making New Year's resolutions or making more New Year's resolutions. Maybe you've already taken some time to think about that. And do not think about this message in a way of, okay, I'm going to commit and make these resolutions to these things. Um, What we're going to share with you today will probably not be on any of the top 10 most popular New Year's resolution lists that you might come across. But I do believe that we have some very important practices that we want to encourage all of us to be very intentional about in this year um, if our desire is to continue to pursue and grow in our relationship with Jesus. And so last fall, we started a study in Paul's letter to the Colossians, and we'll pick that uh, series up next Sunday. But we discovered in part that Paul's pastoral heart for the churches that he was writing to was that they would continue to grow. And one of the things that you've probably discovered is that if you neglect some very basic practices, you'll eventually uh, experience the consequences of some of that neglect. I actually learned some of that a little bit hard, uh, the hard way this week, in that uh, Friday morning, Tina and I were sitting around and we we're just commenting about how, how thankful we were to be in a warm house, right? Because like, it's like minus gazillion outside. And, uh, and, and just thinking too how, yes, we can say that, but, there are, but unfortunately, you can also know that there are people that are struggling uh, on the streets of Edmonton when it gets so incredibly cold. And uh, a little while later, I noticed, you know, our furnace hadn't been running for a while. And, um, and so I, I went and turned up the heat and nothing. And, and then I, I went and kind of hit the manual switch to try to get the furnace to go, and it's still nothing. 
And, and I'm getting a little bit worried, right? It's, it's, uh, it's, it's New Year's Eve, um, you know, calling out a service call, uh, and probably they're being inundated with calls like this. And, uh, and I've been thinking for a while that, you know, I probably have neglected some maintenance on my furnace. Number one, change your furnace filter regularly is what they say, right? And I hadn't been doing that. In fact, I can't remember the last time that I actually changed it. So I went and pulled it out. Sure enough, it was dirty, clogged. It was a mess. I put a new one in. Still nothing. So what do you do at that point? You call a friend. So I called a friend who knew a little bit about this. And uh, his advice simply was, turn it off and turn it back on, on the manual switch. And so I did that. And lo and behold, our furnace kicked kick back in. But it was such a simple reminder. As I'm thinking about what are the practices that we need to engage in, and if I neglect those, what's the consequence of that? And it just kind of paralleled for me a little bit that we need to be uh, very careful about these things and be mindful of them. And so public service announcement number one is just make sure if you haven't changed your furnace filter in a while, (laughs) uh, do that. Um, So anyways, we want to just share with that a little bit today and think about some of the practices that you're either doing regularly or maybe you should consider doing as well. Yeah, these practices that we want to talk about this morning are are ones that we really believe help us to live out the mission statement at TCC. Um, And I think by now we should all know the mission statement. You guys all know it. Let's say it together, is that we would know know Jesus, Jesus, walk with with Jesus, Jesus, and share Jesus. Jesus. You know, and as this year gets going, uh, we want to think about how do I engage in that more intentionally? How do I know Jesus more? How do I walk with him in a more intentional way? How do I share him with others in a more intentional way? So as this new year begins, we want to give you a pastoral invitation. As you consider 2021 and look back on what's been and now look ahead to 2022, Uh, We hope that this mission statement and these practices that we're going to talk about this morning will become a consideration for you as you step into this new year. We've divided up um, nine practices. So yes, this is a a nine-point sermon. Get a pen and paper, right? (laughs) Nine practices under the heading of Know Jesus, Walk with Jesus, and Share Jesus. Um, And so we'll be unpacking those as we go. And the question I want you to ask as we talk about them is, as I approach 2022, What practices do I need to grow in or add to my life as I seek to know, walk with, and share Jesus? That's a bit of our guiding question this morning. Pastor Norb's going to unpack the first three practices under the heading of knowing Jesus. And so I kind of just threw that comment in there about pen and paper, but you might want to write some things down today. And so again, this first heading is just know Jesus. And really, as within any relationship, in order to get to know someone, you need to actually spend time together. You need to be intentional about the time that you spend together. Some of you may know the story of Tina and myself. I was serving a church in Calgary uh, back in 1993, um, and Tina was serving her church in Cleveland, Ohio, of all places. We both went with our youth groups to a conference in Chicago. We met, and 13 months later, we were married. But we had a long-distance relationship, and we actually only spent 31 days in the actual presence of one another. And so we had to be very intentional about the time that, uh, that we did. And so this is back in the days of uh, fax machines and uh, no phone plans. And so we had expensive uh, phone bills. But we would intentionally talk through a series of questions um, just to make sure that we're on the same page on some of these things um, as we kind of got to know one another. And so if you want to know Jesus... Spending time with him, intentional time, 
is an absolute must. And so you know the practices that we're going to talk about here. Um, they should be well ingrained because we talk about them a lot because really there's no substitute. And the first is silence and solitude. You have to absolutely start there. This again is just getting away by yourself to a quiet place uh, and just in order to be with Jesus. Jesus himself did this as you read through the Gospels. He did this on a number of occasions just to be with the Father himself. And so if if Jesus, who is God, needs to do that to be with with his Father, then I think we also see how important that is for us as well. And it really is a discipline that takes discipline um, to carve out that time. I love what Adam said at Equip, which, by the way, um, a lot of this is taken from this series of Equip, which were nine sessions about... 45 to 50 minutes each of Adam teaching and then uh, some dialogue with people. So there's a lot of content online about this already. And so if I should say that if any one of these practices kind of triggers and says, that's one I want to explore more, go find that particular session uh, on YouTube, on our YouTube channel, and you can, you can follow along there as well. But, but silence and solitude should not be confused with kind of me time. You know, like a spa day. I'm just going to get away for it all and have some time to myself. It's not that at all. It's time for you and God to be together, where you're undistracted, and maybe even if you can, unhurried. And so our challenge is simply to you is like, what has been your practice in 2021? Maybe you could only carve out five minutes a day. Think about that as a desire for more. Maybe it's like, I'm going to increase that to 10 minutes, or I'm going to increase that to 15 minutes, or whatever it is. Think about how you can spend some extended time in silence uh, and in solitude to be with God. And what do you do when you're spending time in silence and solitude? You know, you don't just um, cross your legs and hum or anything like that. You, you pray and you engage in scripture. And again, these are the obvious and probably most basic practices uh, in order to follow Jesus and to get to know him. But they're often the ones that are most neglected. And these two, while they could be taken separately, they really do go together because you pray as you engage Scripture and then Scripture itself might inform your prayers. And praying is, in its simplest form, is simply talking with God. And when you carve out time, it becomes an intentional focus. We set our minds on Him. We acknowledge His Spirit's presence in our lives. And I always find this tension a little bit between texts like um, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 17 that says, you know, pray continually. You know, how do I do that? Well, I'm always mindful that throughout the day I'm practicing the presence of God's Spirit with me. But at the same time, 1 Peter 5 7 says, cast all your anxiety or all your cares on Him because He cares for you. And so there is really an invitation from God to say, hey, what's concerning you? What's heavy on your heart? Bring those things to me, and I want to walk with you uh, in those particular, particular things. And the reason we talk so much about the practice then of prayer and, in scripture, um, and scripture in particular is for a couple of reasons. One is to acknowledge that the Bible is God's self-revelation of himself. So if we want to get to know him, we turn to the very source of understanding his character and his attributes, who he is, and what he did. And so that's why uh, scripture reading is so important. But at the same time, God's word and his truth then becomes a foundation for our own lives. It becomes this anchor for our soul. We're going through tough times or we're reading in the Psalms. The Psalms almost become this this prayer book for us because they express some of the very things that we're wrestling with. And so again, uh, we go back to uh, seeing scripture as as this anchor. 
And one of the, uh, Pastor Adam's favorite illustrations as a, as a journeyman carpenter, as you know, is that the Bible is, is, a, is like a plumb line, right? Um, and you've seen them before with the string and the plumb, and it, it, it lines up. It gives you that perfectly vertically straight line. And, and really, it's looking at God's Word in that sense of saying, how do we align ourselves with God's Word? How do we live a life that is consistent or, in fact, lines up with uh, God's Word? Now, we've been flogging uh, a resource over the last uh, number of months called Seeking God's Face. Um, it's, it just follows the church calendar uh, through, it began with Advent and through Christmas, and we'll move into Lent and uh, um, throughout the rest of the year as well. And we just want to encourage you, we have some of these uh, available, but it's just a real good resource. Like, again, if you have five minutes or 15 minutes, you can spend it here. There's daily scripture to read and to, and to con- contemplate and meditate. There's very practical prayer suggestions, and I would uh, suggest to you, there are probably things that you didn't think about even praying about, very good. And, uh, and then just even some closing prayers there. So um, it's just a little tool to help you with that. Now, if this one is hard for some seniors' eyes like my own, um, I just discovered that I'm going to be a senior this month. Um, I don't know <laughs> if you realize that. I'm looking at the discounts at Humpty's, by the way, um, at 55 and up. But it but, also um, means you can't read the writing <laughs> So it's in hard book. to read the yeah. writing in here is yeah. what I'm getting at, I guess. And uh, you can get a large print edition. You can get a, a Kindle version, all those kind of things as well. But we have the, uh, the minute uh, microscopic version available. <laughs> I just want to add to that. Seeking God's face, you know, Jolene and I have young kids running around the house. And for, I know for a lot of parents with young kids, time with the Lord, silence and solitude, it's like, yeah, right. You know, good luck getting up early enough or whatever it is. Uh, and I can relate to that, the struggle to be in God's word when you have young kids running around. I found Seeking God's Face to be an invaluable resource uh, in the midst of that season of life where um, it masterfully blends together this prayer and scripture um, aspect and, and gives you this, this great grounding. Whether you have five minutes or 10 minutes or 15 minutes, you can spend as little or as much time with it as you want. So it's a really great resource, especially to those of you uh, with young kids. And we don't get any promotional kickbacks for... Uh for sharing that either <laughs> on a regular basis, even though you might think we don't. I'm kidding. Um, uh, in addition to that, you might want to consider finding a daily reading plan. Um, now, there's a real tension sometimes with that because sometimes we might think that we're just reading scripture to kind of check something off a checklist. And so I want to caution you about that to, to again, read scripture for the sake of relationship, not just to accomplish that next reading. Um, but you can find digital resources, whether it's things like YouVersion or Dwell is another great uh, Bible app. We have some paper copies of the McShane's Bible reading. We put the weekly readings in the Sunday news. So th- these are resources that you could use yourself to just get into the, the practice of some regular consistent scripture reading. The point is in all of this is there's lots of options out there. Find something that works for you, and that's the important part, yeah. is have a plan, have some structure, because having something is better than having nothing at all. And so I want to encourage you uh, to consider how, how you might do that. And remember, again, it's just through these intentional uh, engagement with these practices that it's about getting to know Jesus, right? It's about that relationship. And one last practice I'll hit before turning it over to Adam to talk a little bit about how we might walk with Jesus is worship and celebration. And when we talk about worship and celebration, there's two primary expressions of worship. 
There's one, of course, is just that, that, that act of expressing praise, reverence, and adoration to God because He alone is worthy of our worship. And we do that in a context like this, or whether you're joining the live stream, we express through song um, our adoration and praise for, for God. But it's not just our, through the singing or what comes from our lips. It's really expressed, our worship is expressed in how we then live. How every day we're making choices to honor God and live in obedience. And so when we talk about worship, there's that, that, that expression. You might uh, consider, again, making Sundays a regular part of your practice of worship. But you also might get into the habit of, of regularly playing worship music in your home or in your car. And just using that time, if it's on a commute, to orientate, again, your thoughts uh, to God. And then when we talk about celebration, we're thinking of the Israelites in the Old Testament with all of their feasts and festivals. They got it right. They celebrated well, which were always intended to acknowledge the goodness of God in everything. And it really um, flows then out of this practice of thanksgiving, to be people who are, are expressing gratitude on a regular basis, people who celebrate birthdays well and anniversaries well, uh, make a big deal about that in your own home as you come through this year. And perhaps more than any practice or any other practice, I think COVID has significantly disrupted this practice of worship and celebration for many. And so really pay attention to, to how you might do this on a daily or a weekly or even on a monthly basis. And so just a word about that again, um, throughout uh, January, February, March, each month we have a monthly day of silence and retreat. We pull away from uh, the church um, and building, and so we invite you on a Saturday to participate in that. I think we've done that in October and November at least twice, um, and, uh, and, and there was always 10, 12, 15 people that attended that. I just want to encourage you, try to carve that out, and we'll give you more details about that as well. So those are some practices that might help us in this idea of, of coming to know Jesus more. So this next four we want to talk about help us in the idea of walking with Jesus. So the second part of our mission statement, of course, is to walk with Jesus. And this is all about inviting Jesus into the everyday realities of our lives. Something that many of us as Christians are guilty of is creating this, um, what they would call a sacred or secular divide. That there's this, this sacred part of my life, and that's when I go to church. That's when I do my devotions. It's the spiritual aspects. But then there's the ordinary. It's my work. It's my cooking and cleaning. It's my day-to-day -day stuff. And, and it's like we see, well, Jesus, he has a place in the spiritual stuff. But the other stuff in my life, does he have a place there? So when we talk about walking with Jesus, what we're saying is, yes, Jesus has a place in absolutely all of it. That in our waking, our brushing of our teeth, our cooking, our cleaning, our scrubbing of dishes, our traveling to work, our spending and managing of money, our talking with a coworker or friend, in our eating, in our shopping, in our playing, in our TV watching, our Facebook and Instagram scrolling, in all of it, Jesus should be with us. We should be walking with him in the midst of the everyday realities of our lives. Um, so what are some practices that might help us to do that? Uh, the first is the practice of vocation, um, which I forgot to have a slide for. And this might sound kind of confusing. What is vocation? Uh, well, the word vocation simply means calling. Uh, and so when we talk about practicing vocation, it's coming to have a mindset where we believe and understand that we are called. When we look at Genesis chapter 1, we see the idea of calling is simply a part of what it means to be human. After God creates humanity in Genesis 1.28, we read that he instructs them to have dominion. 
And this word have dominion uh, is best understood by actively partnering with God in taking the world forward. So when God creates humanity, he gives them this command to have dominion. Actively partner with me in taking the world forward. So part of our created purpose is to work with God. We are created and called to partner with him. And this is this idea of vocation. Now, this is very different from the messages we hear about work in our culture. In our culture, we talk about work being a grind. We talk about work being a frustration. We talk about it being an obstacle in our lives. You know, we we love Fridays and we loathe uh, Mondays in our culture. Uh, And work is really just a means to the end of paying the bills. But that is not the picture that scripture has for us of work. The biblical vision for work is not that it's something to simply get through, uh, but rather it's a means of responding to this call of God to actively participate with him in taking the world forward. So the question then is, how do we orient our lives in such a way that we see our work as more than work, but as a calling? How do we come to a point where we see our work as more than a grind or a means to an end of paying the bills or a sprint to retirement, but see it as an opportunity for us to partner with God in taking the world forward? Well, first, I believe that it begins by us having this vocational mindset or this walking with Jesus mindset. You think about your work as a student. For those of you who are in grade school, um, in, in high school or university, that is your job. That is your work. Uh, Think about that. Think about your career, your nine-to-five job. Think about your role as a parent or even in your retirement. Those of you who are retired, um, participating with God and actively taking the word forward does not end for you in your retirement. Think about these things that you do day to day. And as you think about these, consider how you may engage in your work as if or in the reality that Jesus is actually your boss. (laughs) Colossians chapter 3, 23 says that whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. And this means that the tasks that we do in our day-to-day lives need to be done to the best of our ability because we're doing them for Jesus. It means that we use our work as an opportunity to expand what is good and beautiful and right in the world. So that's the first thing. We need to take on this vocational mentality. That the thing you get out of bed in the morning to do is to partner with God in actively taking the world forward. The second helpful way to think about vocation is to consider the concept of stewardship. Now, stewardship, of course, is the recognition that all we have is God's. Um, And we often think about stewardship in the, the lens of our time, our talents, and our treasures, right? These three T's. These are the things God has given us. And so stewardship is us managing what God has given us well. And so when we think about this uh, through, uh, through a vocational mindset, it's saying, okay, how do I spend this, my time, my talent, and my treasure, in a way that brings glory to God, and also in a way that actively participates in carrying the world forward in a way that God desires? Um, and so those are a couple of good ways to think about it. And a practice, I think, for you to begin with is um, in the mornings when you get up and start praying through your day, uh, bring every aspect of your day to God. Uh, For those of you who are students, think about all the different assignments, the different classes that you have to attend to today. What would it look like for you to pray through each and every one, to pray for your teachers, to pray for your classmates, to say, God, I want your will to be done in my school as it is in heaven. And for those of you who who work in your careers, in your job, your workplaces, pray similarly through that. Your meetings, your appointments, your tasks of the day, give all of it to Jesus. For those of you who are retired, looking at your day and asking the question, Jesus, what do you want me to do today? 
How might I participate in actively taking the world forward with you today in the midst of my retirement? Uh, So that's a way we begin to practice vocation. The second practice under this heading is the practices of abstaining and fasting. Abstaining and fasting. Um, Abstaining is to keep ourselves to some degree and for some time from the satisfaction that we experience from what we generally regard as normal and legitimate desires. And fasting is a part of abstaining, of course, which, but fasting is very specifically about denying your body from food. By fasting and abstaining, we say no to one thing, which enables us by opening up time or mental space to say yes to Jesus. Scripture demonstrates that fasting was a means of prayer. It was redirecting our energy and our time and our, um, bringing our energy and our time and bringing our whole bodies not just our words, before God in prayer. By fasting and abstaining, we are creating an opportunity to be with Jesus in a unique way. Fasting is also a way that we practice saying no. It's a way we practice saying no. Um, A wonderful book that came out this last year is uh, by John Mark Comer. I talk about him all the time. I think Anne called him Adam's boyfriend at one point. Um, (laughs) And yeah, he's a fantastic thinker. Um, But this book, Live No Lies, is one worth picking up uh, this this year and reading. Um, But something that he says in this book about fasting is that with fasting, we decide of our own accord to not give our bodies what they want, food. As a result, when somebody else decides not to give us what we want, or life circumstances decide it, or even God decides it, we don't freak out, rage, or go ballistic on Twitter. We've trained our souls through fasting— to be happy and at peace, even when we don't get our way. Fasting is practicing suffering. In fasting, we're learning how to suffer with joy. Uh, And when I hear that, I just think that is an amazing invitation. For some of us, we've been wrestling with certain sins for years. Um, When we hear this invitation to fast, uh, we we should see in it the opportunity to learn to say no. And by practicing saying no through fasting, when we come up against those sins in our lives, we might be that much better at saying no. So how do we begin engaging in the practice of fasting and abstaining? Uh, Some suggestions for this is to identify simple pleasures in your life and say no to them for a time. Now this is not saying that these pleasures are in and of themselves bad. Again, this is an exercise in teaching yourself to say no to these things for a time. So this may be setting aside social media or television each week at a particular time. It may be choosing not to purchase things that you don't necessarily need. Practicing fasting is best done in a progression. If you're going to say, I'm just going to fast next week, uh, you probably won't succeed in that. I tried to do that in high school. It went horribly for me and was really discouraging. Um, So we progress in it. Begin fasting by saying no to food outside of meals. You know, I'm only going to eat at mealtimes. And then grow to skipping a meal altogether. I'm going to miss lunch or breakfast or whatever it is uh, this day or that day. Um, And then after you get used to that, do a full 24-hour fast. But the first one you do should still include drinking some sort of juice or other uh, supplement. Uh, Then move into a total fast of food and drinks other than water. Uh, Richard Foster's book, uh, Celebration of Discipline, he uses the word discipline instead of practices, is also another great resource. And he has a a wonderful section in there on fasting that I'd recommend reading if you're wondering about growing in that practice. So we have the practice of vocation, the practice of fasting and abstaining. The third practice under the heading of walking with Jesus is the practice of Sabbath. The practice of Sabbath is very debated in the church. 
Sabbath is simply a 24-hour period that's set aside from your normal work. Or as author and pastor Mark Buchanan phrases it, Sabbath is ceasing from the necessary. It's ceasing from the necessary. It's really fascinating to look in the Old Testament at the Sabbath commands. Because it comes up twice. We have, Deut- we have the Ten Commandments recited for us in both Exodus as well as in Deuteronomy. In Exodus chapter 20 in the Ten Commandments, Israel is commanded to observe Sabbath. And the reason given for, being, for practicing Sabbath is that God also rested. God practiced Sabbath. When we get to Deuteronomy chapter 5, the Sabbath command remains, but a different reason is given for practicing Sabbath. In Deuteronomy, Israel is commanded to Sabbath because they are no longer slaves as they were in Egypt. So in Exodus, you could say that we, have, that we need to Sabbath so that we can be more like God. And in Deuteronomy, we could say that you need to Sabbath because you are free. Sabbath is a practice that forms us more towards Christ-likeness, being with God, as well as one that protects us from the deformation that comes from being enslaved to production. In the New Testament, Jesus reminds us that Sabbath was created for us. We were not created for the Sabbath. It is a gift. The trouble is that our culture works against the very reasons God invited his people to Sabbath rest. In the case of Exodus, instead of being Like God, we want to be God in that we believe our world will fall apart if we stop working. In the case of Deuteronomy, we seem to want to remain in an Egypt-like slavery where we are subjected to the external voices telling us to never stop working. But I want to invite you as you consider 2022, think through how you may set aside a 24-hour period each week to rest, to trust God, And to be free from the slavery to the urgent and to productivity. So how do we do this? Well, first you have to set aside time. And once the time is set aside on the calendar, we have to make sure that we prepare for it. Uh, This may mean that the day before Sabbath is really full and really busy as you work to complete all all that is necessary in order to be able to set aside the day of Sabbath. Um, after preparing for Sabbath, we, we can think through what we might do in that day. And I found uh, two questions to be really helpful as I consider that. The first is the question of, what will restore me? What will restore me? I may need to take a nap. I may need to read a book. I may, to, I may need to stare out of a window or go for a walk. The second question is, what will reform me? What will reform me? That is, what will reorient my mind, my body, and my spirit back towards God? Extended time in prayer, extended time in God's word, worshiping with friends and family, and more. Friends, Sabbath, frankly, is simply wonderful. So we have these, so far, these three practices under walking with Jesus. Uh, Here's the fourth, the practice of community. So the practice of community is one that we need to consider under the heading of walking with Jesus. And here I'm talking about our Christian community. That it's important that we specifically spend time with other believers. Biblically speaking, we understand that as Christians, we are brothers and sisters. We are a family. This means that we we require one another. Scripture is abundantly clear that our spiritual lives or our faith or our religion, whatever you want to call it, it is not a private matter. Rather, Scripture lays out a type of life that requires others in order for us to attain the abundance that it describes. We need one another. 
However, when we embrace the idea of life with other believers, we quickly realize that it can be really difficult, can it? Uh, People can be difficult. And many of you have been hurt by the church, and you cringe when I say that you need to be more connected with this community. Others of you feel so isolated and lonely that you get so excited when I talk about community, but you can't even begin to imagine what it might look like for you to engage more. And others of you are rolling your eyes because you're so ingrained in an individualistic picture of what it means to be Christian. But to all of you, I want to say that as you consider 2022, in what ways are you going to invest time and energy into engaging in life with other believers through the practice of community? And what are some of the ways that we practice community? Well, we attend a weekly worship service. That's a huge part of it. And I know that there's a lot of barriers to this in this season, but friends, we need to make it a priority to be together. For those of you who are worshiping at home, I pray that this isn't, um, that this isn't your only connection to Christian community each week. While your internet is connected to YouTube, which is connected to our cameras and microphones, this is a cheap and almost counterfeit experience of connecting with a Christian community. It isn't enough. You need to find other Christians that you can spend time with, even if that's on Zoom, if you have to. At TCC, we try to offer space each week for people to come together in person or online. We have programs like Here Youth, our Young Adults Programming, our Men's Prayer, Refresh, and Equip are all weekly touch points to foster relationships. And there's lots of information about all of these up on our website. And for some of us, our past hurts are our biggest obstacle in practicing Christian community. And for you, as you head into 2022, practicing community might begin with you dealing with that past hurt. If you are looking for help in that, I encourage you to reach out to one of our staff team. We would love to talk with you and pray with you to this end. So as we consider practices that help us to walk with Jesus more, I hope that you see in the practices of vocation, fasting and abstaining, Sabbath and community, tools that empower you to walk with Jesus in more intentional ways. So are you with us? <laughs> Walk with Jesus. Sorry. No Jesus. Uh, no Jesus. Walk with Jesus and share Jesus. And I'll just give you two more practices and then, uh, and then we'll wrap this up. Um, but even as, as Pastor Adam was talking about that, like it's very tempting for us to think of the Christian faith as a very personal faith. Uh, with the exception maybe of practices like the corporate gathering of the church for worship or maybe experiencing community as we walk with Jesus and the company of others, we may even begin to think that the Christian faith or faith in Jesus is really an individualistic faith because there's a lot of things that we do on our own, right? Most of, uh, you know, silence and solitude, you're doing that on your own. Prayer and scripture, you're doing that on your own. Of course, there's places to do that in community as well. But when we come to this part of our mission statement, sharing Jesus, We acknowledge that we as followers have a responsibility to not only tell others the good news about Jesus, but to love and care for others as his representatives. We are, as it were, the hands and feet of Jesus. And so here's two practices to consider as we think about how we might share Jesus with others. And the first is the practice of justice. This is a huge topic. We could spend a lot of time on it, and we probably should sometime. But when we think of justice... We think specifically of caring for others, especially to advocate for those who are vulnerable. Where there is injustice, in fact, we seek justice. And we do so simply because every human being is made in the image of God. 
right? Whether they're poor, whether they're a widow, whether they're ethnic minorities, those impacted by the sin of others, whatever it is, we pursue justice on their behalf. Timothy Keller, pastor and author, has a great definition of justice. He says this, justice is giving people what they are due, okay? Giving people what they're due, whether punishment, because that's part of justice, or protection and care. And so to practice justice means that we have our eyes and our ears and our minds and our hearts open to stepping into a situation and providing what is necessary to make things right, to bring a righteousness, to bring a justice uh, to that. One of my favorite verses is Micah 6.8 because it so beautifully captures the heart of what God is looking for in his followers. He has shown you, okay, he's revealed this, he's told us, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? What is the requirement? Here it is, to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. I can wrap my mind around that when I think about how do I need to live my life? Act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with God. And so as followers of Jesus, we are called to a merciful love, which is really expressed in acts of justice. And justice is found throughout the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, Jesus, through his own actions and through his teaching, teaches us and shows us, in fact, how important justice is. And throughout Jesus' teaching, he connects justice with generosity. He, he encourages even a radical hospitality that goes beyond just inviting those that you know well to your home. This is hospitality to those that are the stranger, those that are different than you too. And he even demonstrated justice when he went into the temple and flipped the tables. So many people look at that story and say, yeah, he was upset because they were selling things in the temple and we should never sell things in the temple. It had nothing to do with that. It had everything to do with the fact that they were charging exorbitant prices for the offerings that were required of those that were poor. And it ticked him off. There was a righteous indignation, a righteous anger that he had that caused him to to go and flip, flip the tables. And so from, from, from examples like that to the story of justice that Jesus told um, about the, the uh, parable of the Good Samaritan is really a story of justice. Because the Good Samaritan, in fact, practiced justice. He cared for the man who had, beaten, who had been beaten and robbed. And so if you have some time, just go and read this parable today and think about it through the lens of justice. How was justice being enacted in that? And very simply, you might remember, uh, if you are familiar with the story, that, that he went first and foremost and he bandaged the wounds. He cared for his physical needs first. He took care of him then as well. He, he put him on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he would be uh, provided further care. There wasn't a hospital to take him to, and so this was where they would continue to care for him. And then when he had to leave himself, he actually gave the innkeeper some money and said, when I come back, if this wasn't enough, I'll make up the difference. And so he was so generous in looking after this man who had been beaten and robbed and left for dead on the side of the road. And so his generous actions were in fact justice in action. And there are so many parallels between uh, that parable and how we might be able to practice justice. Because we too can partner with organizations that have at their heart um, justice, right? That's what they're about. And so if you think locally to some things, some organizations, we as a church, we, we partner with organizations like Hope Mission and Mustard Seed and Basically Babies and Friendship Society. These are just 
organizations that are doing good justice work, and we come alongside and say, how can we partner with you in some of those ways, whether it's financially or practically, like through Twilliger Cares and the gifts and things that we collected. But there's other global organizations as well, like we hear about International Justice uh, uh, Mission, about those kind of work. Samaritan's Purse does works of justice around the world and go into situations where people need uh, help. Uh, Compassion Canada is a great thing. So child sponsorship, if you have a child on your fridge or however you're praying for that, that is an act of justice. It's a justice ministry. And the point is simply that we can't do it all, but we can find a very specific need, find a partner, and then just do something practically about it and be engaged in it. Maybe more than just, you know, a monthly automatic donation to Compassion, but somewhere that that you're actively engaged in... um, caring for those that are, that are so vulnerable. The second practice under this heading of sharing Jesus is evangelism. And this may be one of the most misunderstood and neglected practices. And since it's the ninth practice that we're sharing with you today, and you've probably already had a, heard a lot and have so much to process, but let me just say this then. As followers of Jesus, every one of us, all of us, have a responsibility to tell others about the good news of Jesus. This is not just for a select few or for those that that have the gift of evangelism, but for everyone who has ever heard and received the gospel themselves, the good news, and is living a life that is honoring to God, that we then can be someone who testifies or that we could be that witness of God's goodness in our own lives to share what he has done in the past and what he continues to do. Jesus, in fact, instructed his disciples and commissioned them to go and make disciples and to be his witnesses. And he promised to not only give them the power to do it, but he also promised to be with them in the task that he called them to. And so to be able to tell others about what Jesus has and is doing in our lives, we then need to be actively engaged in knowing and walking with Jesus as we've already been sharing. So this becomes kind of a way of life where we're following Jesus, we're, we're getting to know him, he's active in our lives, we're aware of that, we're walking this out on a day-to-day basis, and then in fact we have something to share because we can talk about how God has brought peace into our lives when we're dealing with anxiety or he's brought joy when there's been sadness, where he's brought order where there's been chaos or all of those kind of things. And and that's really what our world needs right now. They need people like you and I who are willing to say, I'm following Jesus, and I believe in the hope and the resurrection of Jesus, and that gives me peace and confidence and joy and all of these things that are these incredible gifts that we've spent so much time even over the Christmas season thinking about. And really the wonder of it all, and I would even say the beauty of it all, is that Jesus has promised that through his Spirit that he will always be with us right? We're not alone in this journey. We do not go out in the world alone today. We don't, it's not like we've met with God here and then we leave him, we leave and he stays here, okay? He, his spirit goes with us and, and, uh, and then we witness and testify to others because of the very people that we're becoming, right? That's what we want people to recognize is there's something different about you. Can you tell me what it is? And if you can say, well, that's because I know Jesus and I walk with Jesus, I have the opportunity now to share Jesus. Friends, that's the invitation for you as we head into 2022, that we would pray that God would fill our hearts with a love and a passion for people who are far from God, that don't know God. And so just think about who is that in your life 
And an opportunity and an invitation to you again is you've heard us talk now about a few weeks already about Alpha. We're going to start Alpha at the beginning of February, so you've got a few weeks. Maybe you want to help Pastor Adam just put it together, be a table host or serve in some way. Contact him about that. But maybe really you should be praying about somebody. I'm going to invite them to go with me or I'm going to go with them. We're going to attend Alpha together. And so I want to encourage you to consider doing that. Awesome. So there you go. Nine practices <laughs> to consider as you head into 2022. Again, I hope that this doesn't come across like some sort of checklist. Uh, this isn't something that uh, we want you to look at and be like, okay, I need to do this, 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 and this. It's, that's not what this is about. Rather, I hope you are hearing um, an invitation. Uh, it's so easy for us to look at practices and think that, well, if I just do these, I'll become some sort of super Christian or I'll check off all the boxes of what, it, what I need to do before God. Uh, but that's not at all what these are about. This, they are not an end in and of themselves. If a practice isn't working for you, stop doing it. Uh, do something else. The, the heart of this is that you would become more like Jesus. Uh, the whole idea around practices that I love is that it would, we would create the conditions in which over time and by, by God's grace, we become more like Jesus and experience more of the life that he's created us to experience. And the practices are really that invitation for us to posture ourselves in a certain way. Richard Foster says this, that the practices allow us to place ourselves before God so that he can transform us. So it's that moment during a Sabbath. It's that time in silence and solitude. It's the, the moment at work when you're thinking about vocation and you catch this glimpse of partnering with God in your work. In all these little moments, you've postured yourself in such a way the Holy Spirit just grabs you um, and does a work in your heart uh, in and through you in that time, uh, which is just an amazing, uh, amazing thing. We're going to invite the worship team to come up um, now. And uh, this morning, we're going to be turning our attention now to, to communion. Um, and when I think about communion in this context, it's amazing because uh, Christ's death on the cross, the sacrifice that he paid for us, this act of grace and love is really the means by which we enter into this life with God. And in all of these practices, we've really just been highlighting and touching down um, in all these different ways of, of what a life with God actually uh, can look like. But all of that has been made possible only by the work of, of Jesus. And so as we take communion this morning, um, I just want to encourage you to reflect on that love that God has. Reflect on that grace that he has for us. Um, and, and as we reflect on, um, on communion during this next song, I just invite you to prayerfully ask Jesus this question of what are you inviting me into in 2022? Jesus, what are you inviting me into in 2022? Jesus, what would it look like for me to walk with you more in 2022, to know you more, to share you in more intentional ways?